0: And welcome, everybody, to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Hope you are well. I'm kind of losing my voice. Maybe I was yelling at the television uh, based on this uh, debate that we saw between Biden and Trump last night. I mean, my goodness gracious, Uh, I was so frustrated that it was just... uh, Basically turning into the Jerry Springer show All right, that's not true I just lost my voice uh, Just because, you know I'm probably not uh, taking any sort of tea or lozenger So I need to do that But in terms of the debate Boy, I tell you what That was a free-for-all Jerry Springer No, it was Chris Wallace, my bad I thought it was Jerry Springer as the moderator But it could have been For for all we really care about Uh, It it was just nasty, downright ugly However, look The truth of the matter is And we'll get to this a little bit later uh, But Donald Trump actually actually did some damage to Joe Biden, especially when it comes to potential lack of support from the left that Biden is going to need. I'm going to explain that more in the podcast today. So on the podcast, we're going to have uh, two interviews from our water cooler show. Once again, that is on Real America's Voice, Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern. First guest, David Bossie, the former deputy campaign director with Donald Trump's campaign in 2016. And he wrote a book called Trump America First. He's going to debate. He's going to debate. He's not going to debate anybody. (laughs) He's going to actually uh, decipher and analyze uh, the debate of how he saw what happened in Cleveland on Tuesday night. Uh, And then we're going to also talk to Lisa Desjardins. Uh, I had to put a little emphasis on the D, Desjardins, uh, who is a correspondent with the PBS NewsHour. We talked to her about the uh, debate as well and how the media is covering that. So all of that on the podcast today. We're back in a moment. And welcome back to The Pod's Honest Truth, everybody. All right, time for our interview with David Bossy, the former deputy campaign manager for Donald Trump in 2016. He's out with a new book called Trump America First. We had him on the water cooler show on Real America's News and, of course, Just the News. Uh, That's one of our Just the News shows that is airing on Real America's Voice. He was our A-block guest, our A-lister, and here is what he had to say about what happened in Cleveland between Trump and Biden during the first presidential debate. All right, first of the debate i don't know about you i needed a, a hot shower some chamomile tea after it was all done i felt very verklempt as a matter of fact you can look that up at yiddish uh, joining us now david bossy donald trump's former deputy campaign manager and author of the book trump america first david hey thanks for being here appreciate it
2: thanks for having me i'm gonna have to look up those words too myself <laughs> okay
0: yeah it's google verklempt that's all that's that's real simple hey <laughs> Hey, look, uh, we're going to get to the book in a moment, but let's talk about what transpired in Cleveland last night. That was a wild scene. What's your take?
2: Oh, it was a great scene. Uh, from from my standpoint, <laughs> uh, everybody wants to talk about the style. Uh, I remember four years ago, after the first debate, we had the same exact conversation, the style of Donald Trump. Hillary Clinton won at Hofstra. He, the, the election is over. The sky is falling. May as well pack it in. Guess what? Donald Trump's a winner. Donald Trump's a fighter. And what he showed last night is he's fighting for the American people. He's not gonna take any guff off a moderator and he's not gonna take it off of Joe Biden. And, he, and, and he's certainly not gonna take it about election integrity and about uh, uh, you know a, a, a peaceful transition of power. When in fact, Joe Biden's standing on the stage with a person uh, that he ran an investigation of. Bar- Barack Obama and Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton Got together to, with the cabal of James Comey and company to try to run a coup against a duly elected president. So we're not going to put up with the, with any of that. We're going to make sure the American people know exactly what happened, and that's where I think uh, that's where I think this election is headed.
0: Listen, David, I, I know that uh, the Trump campaign and others like yourself, you know, they they think or you guys think that the media is doing Donald, or excuse me, Joe Biden's bidding, if you will, and so Donald Trump had a kind of bring all of that up because the media won't. But but how do you think this plays in the suburbs? I, I get it that it's it's a base election and enthusiasm and all of that, but what about those suburban women who, and men for that matter, who may just be kind of ticked off to say, you know what, that was, look, that was a, a strong man performance, but that was also five hour energy bull strong man performance. It may yeah. have been a bit too much.
2: People don't, on election day or when they end up voting, They're not going to be voting over style. They're not going to be voting on that. They're going to be voting on substance. They're going to be voting on which of these men is going to affect them and their family and their children and grandchildren's futures. What does America look like in five and ten years from now? That's what this is going to be about. Nothing more, nothing less.
0: I want to play you a clip from uh, last night's debate. Uh, it had to do specifically with uh, what I thought was a very squeamish moment for Joe Biden, where Chris Wallace actually had to save Biden when Donald Trump brought out uh, this whole thing about law enforcement and Joe Biden and the support or lack thereof that he receives. Ha- have a listen.
2: True. He doesn't have any we're, law we're you, support. Look, he has no law enforcement that's support. That's not true. Almost that's nothing. Not, but look, oh, right. who do you have? Name one group that supports you. Name one group that came out and supported you. Go look. ahead. Look. Think. We have time.
0: We don't have time to do no, anything. No. Think so about about it. It.
2: All
0: right. Name Folks. one law enforcement
2: Folks. group that Folks. came out I think, and I think supported gentlemen, you. Gentlemen, I think I'm. <laughs> uh,
0: David. That's, that pretty, that's called that scoring
2: points. That's called scoring yeah. points. When, when Joe Biden refused to condemn Antifa, which was just prior to that, okay, Antifa is a terrorist organization. It's not an idea. Okay, Joe Biden, it's not an idea. It's a terrorist organization. The Amer- and the American people get it. They know it. They watch it on television. They see uh, the rioting and looting and the burning and, and the murders that are committed in these cities, city after city, It, it is go- that's going on in this country, and it's being done by Antifa. These are. This is a terrorist organization. The president's willing to call it that. Joe Biden calls it an idea. That's a, We call that a disconnect from reality. And we think that the American people, which are watching the TV, watching their, their cities burn down, understand it better than Joe Biden does. And Joe Biden's going ha- to have to answer for that answer for the next 35 days, as well as the no support from the women and men in blue. The police force, the, 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 these departments, they are for President Trump, not, uh, not Joe Biden
0: listen david i've got to ask you before we turn to the book uh that white supremacy question that chris wallace asked i want to get your reaction to that because uh, the president's being beat up for t- uh, today on that with you he wanted to turn to antifa but he didn't really condemn i know he said sure sure but it wasn't very forceful in terms of condemning the proud boys as a matter of fact he said then stand by and no one's quite sure what that yeah means
2: but he, i i I understand exactly what you're talking about, but the president of the United States was talking about election integrity. He was talking about, um, and Chris Wallace is trying to get him to condemn somebody. And, and the president's like, sure, just tell me who to condemn. Tell me who to condemn. Sure. No problem. I'll condemn whoever you want, because that's the cancel culture aspect of where we are today. That's where we are in America. So I just have to say that the president's answer was, was, was exactly right on, um, on the election integrity aspect. But nobody's asking Joe Biden about his experience with uh, Senator uh, Byrd, who was a KKK leader. Nobody's asking him about Senator Eastland or Talmadge, known segregation of senators that he worked with every minute of every day in the United States Senate. His record on crime uh, you know, and, and, and criminal justice, the 1994 crime bill. Nobody's talking about the 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 uh, super predator line that that the president brought up last night. So it's a a juxtaposition. We understand it. But the president was very clear on the uh, on the election integrity question last night.
0: David, uh, the new book, you and Corey Lewandowski, Trump, America First, take us inside. And when I say inside, it really is kind of an inside campaign look uh, at what goes on. What, what, what did you experience and what do Americans need to know about this president that they may not be getting from the mainstream media?
2: Well, a couple of things. One, it's a it's a great, fun read. We take people backstage at the rallies. We take them on, on Air Force One and in the Oval Office, and we take these folks uh, it's kind of a, you know, kind of behind the curtain look at what goes on in the campaign. And so it's a lot of fun, but it's also a one stop shop to give people those promises made, promises kept, um, the, the ability for uh, a person to be able to open the book and figure out uh, from a public, from a policy standpoint, what the president has accomplished. And you can go there and, and, and take it all in and really be able to have conversations with your friends and families and neighbors and to be able to talk to them about why President Trump deserves to be reelected.
0: What was most interesting to you in the book? There's a lot of stories. Corey was here yesterday talking about John Kelly <laughs> and the almost fist fight outside the Oval Office. Oh, leave it to Corey to get almost into a fist fight outside the Oval Office. Uh, what, what was uh, striking to you in the book? Yeah. What, what, give us a teaser. Give us a teaser.
2: Yeah, you know, I want to beat up Corey most days too, so it's okay. Um, but it, it, you know, look, it's it, it is a it is a tremendous um, it's a tremendous fun read. One of the things that I like to do is tell the tell the American people one story, which is how I got to know the president, which is really through my son. When he was younger, he had a lot of medical problems, and so I write about long before politics how President Trump helped me raise money for children's hospital to give back. Uh, so that other kids could have the same great health care my son did. He he had four brain surgeries and two open heart surgeries. And it was a tremendously stressful thing on our family. And we recognize that's like that for a lot of families. And so President Trump, long before politics, is such a kind and, and gentle and wonderful man. And you look at last night's debate of him being, you know, a tough, rough and tumble guy on a debate stage. But then he's also a family man, and he puts your family first. And so it's, it's 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 I put that in this book because I want people to understand who he is much more than just what the sound bites they see from the left on TV. David, I got less than a minute
0: left. Uh, as it relates to the campaign that's going on now, where's where are you going to be looking on election night? What number needs to do well? I mean, obviously, uh, we've heard about white. Rust Belt voters or where where are you looking exactly to make sure it's going to be a good night for the president?
2: Well, it's going to be a great night for the president. He's going to win. No question about it in my mind. Our path to 270 is very clear, just as it was in 2016. We're going to win all of those normal Republican states that we that we always do. We're going to win those. Uh, We're going to win Florida and Georgia and North Carolina and Arizona. I have absolute certainty that we're going to do that. And then it'll come down to just winning one of a few states. And we have to win either Pennsylvania or Michigan or Wisconsin or Minnesota. We only have to win one of them. We don't have to win them all. David, really appreciate you
0: joining me here. Congrats on the book and really appreciate the debate analysis.
2: Hey, thanks so much for having me.
1: I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know, I love Skims underwear. So I finally tried their bras and Skims has delivered again.
0: David Bossy here on the pod's honest truth. All right, time now for our interview with Lisa Desjardins. I love that you got to put the accent on the D. Dan Desjardins. Uh, I could say that all. Day. I'm not going to say it all day. Long. It'd be a very boring podcast. Uh, but she is a correspondent with the PBS NewsHour. Uh, I've known her for a while, and she came on the Water Cooler show to talk about uh, the media's role in covering Biden and Trump, and and her analysis as well on the uh, first presidential debate. She she covered Donald Trump in 2016. And She's covering Joe Biden, this time around 2020, so she has a unique perspective. Here's Lisa Desjardins on The Paz Honest Thanks for being here. Really appreciate it.
3: Oh, thank you for asking. I'm glad to be here.
0: Lisa, first off, have you recovered uh, from watching that debate last night? I mean, I, I, I've never
3: seen anything like
0: that. Never.
3: I will be honest. You know, we're juggling a lot of stories right now, including this one, and I just talked to a producer on the phone, and I said, can we all just go back to bed and pull the covers over our head? I don't think that would help things, but I, I definitely had that instinct a few times today.
0: Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what you thought. Right off the top, I mean, Trump just couldn't, I mean, he wanted to talk. Shockingly, Donald Trump wanted to talk. So, so what did you make of uh, some of the, the political upside or downside to either one of those, um, those candidates on stage last night?
3: I'm in a fortunate position. I was the reporter who covered Trump for PBS NewsHour in 2016. And now I cover Biden. So I've spent a lot of time looking at both of these men, how they interact, how they approach these kinds of forums. And I think President Trump is someone who, uh, when he feels that he is under attack, he ramps up his own attacks. And he, I think, likes to throw the first punch. And I think that he clearly is is seeing polls right now. Um, he wants to be doing better than he is in those polls. Whether those polls are right or not, that's a different discussion. But he, you could tell that he is someone who feels like he's under attack. He is throwing a lot of punches, and because of that, I think as as you just you know displayed, I think some Trump voters were were hoping to hear more of what he's about, uh, more of why they voted for him, um, and less of the sort of kind of defense posture we saw from him on stage. But, you know, that said, that's who he is. And that's one reason he was elected as well. This idea of a strong leader, uh, someone who is not going to take anyone pushing him around, that he's going to throw the first punch. That's what some people like about him.
0: You know, Lisa, I guess it's a victory for Biden because he didn't make any colossal error like, you know, killing 200 million Americans during you know, COVID like he's been talking about at one point. But what's interesting to me is that I know the Biden campaign wanted him not to kind of stoop down to that level, if you will. And yet there was Biden calling the president a clown and you're the worst president yeah. of the United States. And will you shut up? And so, I, you know, I'm wondering how that might play uh, in Peoria, if you will.
3: All right, I wonder that too. I have to say, even going into this debate, I questioned whether this debate could really move many voters at all. Uh, and I'm even less sure now, but I do think that's an interesting observation. Biden is someone um, who thinks of himself and is devoted to being polite. Uh, he's a good Catholic schoolboy, I think is what he would say. But we've seen him um, have problems in debates in the past, like in the primary where he's he's expressed anger I do think for him, he was more restrained in this debate than I've seen him all year when he was under attack. He did have those moments calling the president a clown, saying you're the worst president in history, where he did sort of lower himself and lower the tone of the debate um, as both men were doing. I think Chris Wallace called out the president more on that. Um, You know, I just think most Americans saw this debate as an example of the complete unraveling of political discourse and ideas in this country, the chaos that they don't want in Washington. And I think that it was something that probably hurt the way people look at our government more than the way they look at either of these two men. I don't know if it swayed many voters. If it did sway any, I think the Biden camp is feeling more confident this morning that this idea that the president has kind of unleashed this era of chaos that is not good um, is something that they feel like the president helped back up in the debate last night, and they think that voters uh, will reject that.
0: Yeah, I think that's really astute analysis. Uh, I I agree with you on that. Hey, Lisa, tell me a little bit about Chris Wallace. Boy, to be in his seat last night, I mean, my goodness, I can't even (laughs) imagine. uh, you know, he's getting right. slammed. I don't know. I think it's a bit unfair personally, but, uh, you know, uh, he's getting, it was a very difficult position. Now, I've interviewed Trump over 20 times, and I know he, he commands the room when he walks in, and he, you better get your question out in nine seconds, or he's just <laughs> going to run roughshod over you. It, it, was, it was tough, Lisa. It was tough.
3: Right, right. You've interviewed the president I think as much as anyone, so you know how he works. I would love to see you actually handle one of these debates now that I think of it. Um, Oh goodness, I'll take an
0: excedrin beforehand,
3: yeah. (laughs) I think, you know, Chris Wallace, every other moderator, needs to write him a thank you note for going first in this debate cycle. Um, you know, I, myself, I moderated a debate in New Jersey a couple of years ago between two men who were throwing punches, nothing but punches. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you that we prepped for that debate hard uh, with producers mm-hmm. doing what we saw in this debate. And, you know, and I kind of wonder what Chris Wallace's preparation was like, um, if, if they needed to practice more um, an exaggerated version of what happened, because what we got was the exaggerated version of a debate fight.
0: Yeah, I am also curious on the broader issue of the media and covering Trump and Biden. You've covered them both. Obviously, it was Trump back in 2016 campaign, now Biden this time around. But I don't know. I mean, I don't want to come to any summary conclusion here. But it does seem like the media, at least with Biden, hasn't been putting him through the ringer as much as they definitely do with Trump. Now, I understand Trump gives them more more material, if you will, but it just seems to me that I don't know, with Biden, it, it just, he doesn't submit to any of these tough interviews. And I, we had Jonathan Swan on the other day from Axios, and he was a bit disappointed in that the Biden campaign just hasn't gone there.
3: You know, I agree. I wish that we would have more opportunities to ask questions for Joe Biden. I could not agree with you more on that. Part of it is the pandemic, and the Biden campaign clearly is um, taking more precautions than the Trump campaign. But, you know, I, I can't just give him a pass because of that. Because the truth is he could be having socially distanced news conferences once, twice, three, four times a week. Um, Instead, I believe it's been a week and a half since he had a news conference. And at that news conference, I was present. I think he took four questions. Um, he, yeah, we're, we're not seeing as many interviews and news conferences from Joe Biden as we would like. That is for sure for the press corps. I have a lot of tough questions I'd like to ask him, but I really I'm not getting that opportunity. Uh, few of us are. The, the president it, ha- uh, it answers questions more often right now. It's true. Um, but I think both of them, uh, I would like to see both of them questioned by voters more often, more directly.
0: Yeah, Lisa, we've got less than 30 seconds left. If I could just ask you quickly, how do you cover Biden and COVID? It's
3: tough, right? I got about 10 seconds. It's really tough, especially now as we're waiting to see if there's a coronavirus relief deal at the Capitol. I'm not getting a lot of sleep, but that might be true for all of America.
0: Lisa, really appreciate you joining me here on The Water Cooler, thank you.
3: You're welcome, a pleasure.
0: My thanks to Lisa Desjardins and David Bossie for coming on The Water Cooler Show today. And of course, we wanted to bring that uh, to you through the podcast here on The Pod's Honest Truth. Hey, some analysis before we leave you. Uh, look, one of the things, remember, a lot of people are talking about style and how Trump was the Red Bull strongman uh, during the debate, and he interrupted all the time. Totally true. And, you know, he was way over the top. And Joe Biden uh, pretty much, uh, you know, was insulting Trump left and right as it relates to calling him a clown and calling him the worst president of the United States and tell him to shut up. But beyond all of that, uh, here's the situation that is very important to understand from a substance standpoint. Uh, Donald Trump was able to basically pin Joe Biden down. I mean, not physically, though, I wouldn't expect I wouldn't necessarily think that might not happen. Actually, it probably should have happened uh, based on what was going on in Cleveland. But Joe Biden was actually actually said a few things that are going to tick off the radical left. He said he opposes defunding the police. He says he's against the Green New Deal. He says there is no manifesto when it comes to uh, Bernie Sanders and him in this agreement. So all of that's going to tick off the left. And Joe Biden needs the left to win this election. Yes, he needs the moderates, but he also needs the left. Uh, and so any drop-off, any enthusiasm drop-off is going to hurt Biden. So as much as people want to concentrate on the style of the debate, that, what I just explained there, is really the style substantive part of the debate that actually could hurt Joe Biden at the ballot box come November, or in this case, December or January, whenever the Supreme Court probably ends up deciding this election. That is the Pod's Honest Truth. Until next time, America.